Let's pray together. Our gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love and your kindness and your grace towards us in the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray this morning that you will open our minds, that we may understand what your word says, think through its implications, that our minds may be transformed and our lives brought into line with the way you wish us to live. Our Father, please help us to know your mind and to act in accordance with your will. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, what is going on with the Jewish people? What place do Jews have in God's plans for the world? You hear all this stuff about the Jews being God's chosen people. Is that right? Are they God's people? And what does it mean that they are God's people? Especially in the light of the good news about Jesus. Are the Jews still God's people now that Jesus has come? What about Jews who reject Jesus? What about them? The church has wrestled with this issue for 2,000 years. What to think about the Jewish people, especially Jews who don't believe in Jesus. And over the centuries, there have basically been two schools of thought. You've got your people who say the Jews continue to be God's people, with all kinds of implications, and people who say that the Jews are no longer God's people, with all the implications. On the one hand, you've got those people who say that the Jews are no longer God's people. They've somehow forfeited the right to be God's people. At some stage in history, their place as God's people was lost. And so Jews now have no special relationship with God. Only Christians have a special relationship with God. That's a very early Christian view. Uh, Way back in the early church, there was a famous letter. So famous that some people actually thought it should be included in the New Testament. It was called the letter of Barnabas, or the epistle of Barnabas. And Barnabas was very clear that the Jews are not God's people. He said they lost that privilege back in the desert of Sinai when they worshipped the golden calf idol. You remember the story? Moses went up the mountain, got the Ten Commandments, came down, and they were worshipping the golden calf. And he, he smashed the tablets with the Ten Commandments on it. But Barnabas said that moment was the moment when the Jews ceased to be God's people. Let me quote from him, from his letter. Moses had hardly received the covenant when Israel forfeited it forever. Because they turned aside after idols, they lost the covenant. Barnabas said the Jews have no place in God's plans or purposes. They are not God's people. Only Christians are God's covenant people. Other people say that God called off his promises to the Jews because they were responsible for the death of Jesus. They're Christ killers. Other people say that the church replaces Israel as God's people. Now, for some Christians, this just means you evangelise Jews like you evangelise anybody else. You treat them like any other non-Christians. But there are far too many cases in church history where this kind of thinking has had very sad consequences. For some people, it means that Jews are objects of contempt. They are Christ killers, they say, God hates Jews, and they say, so should we. And that's certainly the way many Jewish people perceive the church thinks about them. I was recently reading the story of a Jewish man by the name of Stephen Wertheim. Wertheim. Let me read you a bit of his story. Our family lived on the Upper West Side of Manhattan, where it seemed everyone was either Jewish or Catholic. 
regular fights broke out between us neighbourhood kids. As things heated up, invariably one of them would call one of us Christ killer. I asked my parents why those kids were so mean to us. They explained that many Christians hated Jews simply because we were Jews and reminded me of history, especially the Holocaust. Many Christians believe the Jews are not God's people. And for some, that is a reason to hate or to fear the Jews. Then on the other hand, you've got people who say that the Jewish people are God's people. They assume that Jews believe in God and in the Old Testament. And so they're not really sure what impact the gospel has on that. They think that the Jews are already in some kind of a relationship with God as his people. And so... I mean, what, are they saved or or, or are they not saved? What about the fact that Jesus has come? Does it make any difference? Many people don't know. Some of you would remember Martin Pakula. Martin recently wrote an article about Jewish evangelism, a very helpful article, and in it he says this. He says, Many Christians are afraid to share the gospel with their Jewish friends. They fear that they do not know the Old Testament well enough, Or perhaps they think their Jewish friend is kind of okay with God already because he or she believes in God and the Bible already. (coughs) Some people who believe that Jews are God's people aren't sure what their standing with God is now that Jesus has come. Or there are other people who go even further. They say because the Jews are God's people, they are all saved. All Jews will go to heaven. It's called the two-covenant theory. It's the idea that Christians are saved by Jesus under the new covenant, but Jews are saved by being Jewish under the old covenant. They're saved because they are Jewish. The coming of Jesus makes no difference. Do you see the two schools of thought? Either they are God's people or they're not God's people, with various implications coming from that. So what should we think about the Jews? Are they God's people or not? And if they are, what does that mean now that Jesus has come? In Romans chapters 9 to 11, Paul talks about the Jewish people. And we'll really get into the argument uh, properly next week. But before he gets into his theology, he starts off by showing his deep pain and sorrow for Jews who don't believe in Jesus. He's extremely sad for them. In fact, he says he he would even go to hell if it could only help his Jewish compatriots. Look with me at Romans chapter 9 and verse 1. Romans chapter 9 and verse 1. I speak the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience confirms it in the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, those of my own race, the people of Israel. Why is Paul so filled with sorrow and anguish? Well, it can only be because Jews who reject Jesus are not saved. He wouldn't feel like this if they were saved. And the fact is, Paul has already made it very clear in his letter. Being Jewish cannot save people. Firstly, he's told us that Jews are sinful. 
Like everyone else, Jews don't love and obey God the way God deserves. Flick back with me to Romans chapter 3 and verse 9. Romans chapter 3 and verse 9. And halfway through the verse, Paul writes, We have already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are all under sin. It's pretty clear, isn't it? Jews are sinful. And so, Jews are facing the anger and judgment of God. In fact, if anything, they're facing the anger and judgment of God before anybody else because of who they are. Go back with me a little bit further to chapter 2 and verse 8. Chapter 2 and verse 8. For those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. There will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. Jews need to be saved from God's anger. And the only way that Jews can be saved from God's anger is through Jesus Christ, through his death and his resurrection. Go back even further with me to chapter 1 and verse 16. Chapter 1 and verse 16, I've been reading this verse over and over again, but I've skipped the last little bit. Chapter 1 and verse 16, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. Jews need the gospel. They need to trust in Jesus. Otherwise, they will face the judgment and anger of God. That's been made clear right through the book of Romans. And it is the assumption here again in, chapter, in Romans chapter 9, when Paul says that he would even be cursed and cut off from God if it could help his Jewish brothers. Author John Piper puts it like this. He says, Paul's willingness to be cut off from Christ makes sense only if Paul believes his brothers are in a plight as serious as the one he's willing to enter for their sake. Thus, the words Paul chooses with which to express his love are chosen also because they express the precise condition of his unbelieving kinsmen. They are anathema, separated from Christ, and thus doomed to eternal destruction under the wrath of God. This whole idea that Jews are saved by being Jewish, this idea that there are two covenants of salvation, it does not work. It cannot work. If there was any other way that Jewish people could be saved, then Jesus died for nothing. If there was any other way that Jewish people could be saved, then Paul would find it. He would even, even if it meant being cursed and cut off from Christ, Paul would find it. But there is no other way. Jews cannot be saved by being Jewish. Jewish people need Jesus to save them. And just notice again the way Paul talks about that here in chapter 9. This is not dry theology we are discussing. We are talking about the eternal destiny of precious people. And Paul doesn't treat that lightly. The idea that anyone would reject Jesus is agony for Paul, but especially the Jewish people. And so Paul weeps for Jews who reject Jesus with great sorrow and unceasing anguish. And here at the beginning of chapter 9, we see two reasons why Paul is so concerned about the Jewish people in particular. Firstly, it's because they're his family. Did you see that in verse 3, chapter 9 and verse 3? Paul says there is brothers, his own race. 
Paul himself is Jewish and he is greatly concerned for his family, for his family who have rejected Jesus. He is filled with anguish at the thought that the people he loves, his own kith and kin, will face the anger of God. When was the last time you wept for your non-Christian family? When was the last time you agonised with God for their salvation? Your children? Your grandchildren? Your parents? Grandparents? Brothers? Sisters? Have you given up on them? Have you stopped praying? Have you even hardened your heart against them? Have you forgotten the seriousness of their situation? Without Christ, without hope. Paul weeps for Jewish people who reject Jesus because they're his own family. But it's not just the fact that the Jews are Paul's family. There's another reason. There's another reason that Paul is so concerned about the Jewish people in particular, and it is because of their place as God's people. In the next verses, Paul goes through the great privileges that Israel has. And remember the people we are talking about. We're talking about Jews since Jesus has come. We're talking about Jews who reject Jesus. We're talking about these very people that Paul is willing to be cursed and cut off from Christ for. Here's what he says about these Jewish people who reject Jesus. First, Paul says that Israel is God's own son. Now, it comes from places like Hosea in the Old Testament where God says, out of Egypt I called my son. Or it comes from the story of uh, the Exodus where God says to Pharaoh, Israel is my firstborn son, let him go or I will take your son away. God is very serious about his love for his son. His son is his heir. Israel is supposed to inherit all of God's blessings. So chapter 9 and verse 4, speaking of the Jews, Paul says, chapter 9 verse 4, Theirs is the adoption of sons. Not only are Israel sons of God, God actually dwelled with them. His glory came to dwell in the tabernacle and then in the temple. God lived with his people. Verse 4 again, theirs is the divine glory. God also made promises to Israel. He entered into covenant with them. He gave them his law. He gave them the sacrificial system so their sin could be forgiven. Verse 4 again, there's the covenants, the receiving of the law, the temple worship and the promises. Israel are also from the family of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the patriarchs whose family God promised to bless. God promised Abraham and Isaac and Jacob that he would bless their family. They would be his special people forever. Verse 5, theirs are the patriarchs. And above and beyond all that, Jesus himself was a Jew. He wasn't a Roman Catholic, as someone once tried to tell me. Jesus himself was a Jew. When God came to earth, he came as a Jew. It is a Jew who now reigns as the God and King of the universe. If you are a Christian, it is a Jew who now reigns as your King. And your saviour. Verse 5 again. 
And from them is traced the human ancestry of Christ, who is God over all, forever praised. Amen. We're not dealing with ordinary people when we're talking about the Jewish people. We are dealing with God's special people. We are dealing with God's sons, the descendants of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, who had God with them in the temple, who had God's laws and his promises and his sacrifices. When we are talking about the Jews, we are talking about the family of Jesus himself. Well, we've already seen the problem with the two-covenant theory, the idea that Jews are saved by being Jewish. That, that can't work. But there's also a real problem with the idea that the Jews are not God's people anymore, isn't there? That somehow God has gone back on his promises to them. Or even that God hates the Jews. Again, it can't work. In these first few verses of chapter 9, Paul has made perfectly clear that the Jews are, they continue to be God's people, even after the coming of Jesus, even including Jews who don't trust in Jesus. Jews still have a special place in God's purposes. But notice the implication for Paul. He doesn't say, okay, well, the Jews are God's people, so they'll be all right with God. No, 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 no. The Jews are God's people. And so he weeps for the Jews. He weeps especially for the Jews. So here's the point. Here's the point. And think carefully about it because it's not what most Christians believe and it might disagree with what you think. Here's the point. Because the Jews are God's people, it makes it an even greater tragedy when they reject Jesus. Because the Jews are God's people, it makes it an even greater tragedy when they reject Jesus. It makes it extra sad when they miss out on salvation. What a tragedy that God's own people could miss out on salvation. What a tragedy that Jesus' own family should reject him. What a tragedy with all of these blessings that Jewish people could miss the boat completely. It's no wonder Paul weeps. It's not just that he's talking about his own family. He's talking about God's family. So let's come back to the question we asked at the beginning, the questions we asked. Are the Jews God's people? Yes. The people who say that they are not God's people are wrong. God has never gone back on his promises to the Jews, and next week we'll see why that is so important. But on the other hand... That does not mean that Jews are saved. Like everyone else, Jews are sinful and facing the anger of God. Like everyone else, Jews need to be saved through the death and resurrection of the Jewish Christ, Jesus. And so to our second question, what does it mean that the Jews are God's people now that Jesus has come? The answer is this. As God's people, the gospel is especially for Jews especially for Jews. That is the ongoing implication of the Jews being God's people. It means that Jewish unbelief is an even more profound tragedy than Gentile unbelief. And to turn it around, it means that the gospel is especially for the Jewish people. It's for everyone, yes, but the fact that the Jews are God's people means that it's for them even more. Jews ought to trust in Jesus and be saved. He's their Messiah, sent by their God to save them first. 
The gospel is, to quote Paul, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. And so, Jews should have a special place in the hearts of all true Christians. Christians certainly should not persecute or hate the Jewish people. Nothing could be more stupid than to worship a Jew as your God and then hate the Jewish people. Jews should have a special place in the hearts of all true Christians. So how should Christians treat the Jewish people then? How should we relate to them? Well, we should treat them like Paul treated them. We should weep for Jews who trust in Jesus. We should love them and long for their salvation. And we should also pray for Jews who don't trust in Jesus. In Romans chapter 10, verse 1, Paul says, Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. We should long for the Jews to be saved. We should pray for them to be saved. And we should actively engage in Jewish mission. That's what Paul did. He always went first to the synagogue. Paul weeps. He prays. And he shares the gospel with the Jewish people. We should follow his example. Remember, the fact that they are God's people means that it is especially for them. It is first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. Well, let's get practical then. This might all be completely new to you. You might have never even thought about it before. But this is actually something that the Presbyterian Church has an extremely strong history in. The Presbyterian Church used to understand very well that the gospel is first for the Jew. The Scottish Presbyterians used to run many specific missions to the Jewish people and even to Israel. Now, up the back as you come in, uh, there are some uh, documents that uh, I'll tell you more about in a moment. But among them is a sermon by one of the most famous Presbyterian ministers, a man called Robert Murray Machane. He preached it after he'd been on a mission to Israel. And it's all about why there's a priority for Jewish evangelism. Very helpful sermon, worth a read. In the General Assembly of Australia, there used to be a special committee for mission to the Jews. Unfortunately, it's been cancelled now due to lack of interest, but a special committee was formed. In our old hymn book, there are special hymns for mission to the Jews. Unfortunately, they haven't been taken into the Rejoice hymn book, but they used to be there. We're going to sing one of them in a minute. There used to be a real understanding among Presbyterians of the biblical priority of Jewish evangelism. Sadly, though, I think our denomination is losing this biblical vision. But here's something good. A Presbyterian missionary has now come out from England because we're failing in the task so much. A Presbyterian missionary has now come out from England to evangelise Jews in Sydney. His name is Paul Morris. His mission is called Christian Witness to Israel. And again at the back there is some information about him and some prayer points. It is very clear in the Bible that the Jewish people should have a special place in our hearts and our prayers and our mission. So let me ask you. Do you long for the salvation of the Jewish people? Do you have any Jewish people to pray for in your prayer diary? Are you doing something to support Jewish ministry? I suspect most of us aren't. 
I suspect most of us have never even thought about this clear biblical mandate. And I really think we should do something about it. It's too late for our mission day next week, but I think next year we should seriously consider supporting Paul Morris. And I think we also need to act personally as well. Do you have any Jewish friends or colleagues? If you do, then you should be singling them out in your mind as being especially important for you to share the gospel with them. Put them on your prayer list. Maybe give them one of Martin Pakula's sermon tapes. He's got some excellent tapes for Jewish people. If you want one, I'll give one to you. Of course, do please keep Martin in your prayers as well. We need to get serious. This is a biblical mandate. We should especially look out for the Jewish people to evangelise them. And you know what? I reckon God will use our faithfulness if we get faithful about this. This is not a lost cause. In his story, Stephen Wertheim talks about how he and his Jewish family came to faith in Jesus, but his mum kept holding out. She refused to trust in Jesus because of the way Jews have been treated by Christians. But let me read what happened. My mum saw a film about Corrie ten Boom, a Christian who hid Jews during the Holocaust, and it deeply touched her. She realised that her reasons for holding out from what the rest of the family believed didn't have so much to do with who Jesus was as who she thought Christians were. The film helped her to see that people who truly love Jesus also love the Jewish people. Within a couple of weeks, my mother embraced Jesus as Messiah. It's not impossible for Jews to become Christians. I guess even I'm living testimony of that. And so we ought to love them, pray for them, tell them about Jesus. The gospel is especially for Jews. So let's follow Paul's example. Love them, pray for them, offer them the great news of their own Messiah. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you that you are not a God who changes your mind or breaks your promises. We thank and praise you that you have kept your promises to the Jewish people. They continue as your people. And so it is especially tragic when they reject Jesus. We thank you for the millions of Jewish people who have come to faith in Christ over these last 2,000 years. We pray, Heavenly Father, that you'll help all Christians to have your heart for the Jewish people, to love them, to pray for them, and to seek to share the gospel with them. Please give us the strength, the courage, the wisdom to be able to follow the Bible's way in this. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.